word why. What a curious word. The kind of word that can make us cringe, feel defensive, or even distant. But you know, sometimes why is the key. A key that can unlock so much to our lives. Join me as we explore the why with fascinating contributors to the world. Those that entertain us, inform us, teach us about life, and if we're lucky, inspire the next in all of us. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger, and welcome to Headroom, a production of Rainlight and co-produced by Old Soul. Let's go. Alex, great to spend some time with you. Uh, you you've had kind of quite a wild ride the last, let's say, eight weeks. Yeah, sure. Uh, from a health perspective, yeah. uh, you feel you feel back and ready. I do. I feel you know. I don't think it's fair to say I'm 100, percent but um, recovering, getting fitter every day, and um, enough to race to drive a race car. <laughs> Just. So so let's let's rewind. We were talking sort of off camera about who's what generation. Uh, uh, the kind <laughs> folks are here, right? Relative to you or me and these sorts of things. Sure. Wh- when did it settle in that, that you were a driver, Williams Racing? Yeah. I would imagine a dream come true. It was. It was obviously um, a strange period of my life because I, I spent a year away from the sport and um, there's a definite uncertainty that you're ever going to come back. Um, but, you know, the guys here at Williams, they are like a family and they really... Yeah, they, they, they wanted me. They, it really felt good to know that um, there was an element there where you know, they, they valued me and um, they gave me a chance. So it was almost the first day I walked through the doors, you know, back at the factory um, in Grove in the UK. Um, it's a huge place, a very impressive place. Um, and uh, it was actually the guys behind the cameras. I think they were the ones filming you know, my first shots of me wearing official Williams clothes and that's that period where you're like, okay, you know, I'm here, I'm here as a Williams driver. Um, something which is also quite daunting to some extent, because, you know, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm young, but um, you know, they, they look up to you for leadership and um, for the experience I had from uh, being at Red Bull. Um, you know, you, you've got to be that figure to, to the guys and, and, and make sure that uh, you use your experience in the right way to, to lead the team into the right, right positions. Tell me about when you were, obviously, you, I love the background on you and, and just as a young boy, right, and, and the passion for racing early on. Sure, but when yeah. was the first time, do you remember the very first time you felt in your body the power of speed? Yeah. Uh, so initially, when I very first started, I think my, my dad tells me this story. I was five years old. I was in, uh, went to Disneyland Paris. Um, and I hated it. <laughs> I was crying. I, I didn't want any of it. Um, and he said, you, you hated it the first time you drove anything that moved. Um, but then very quickly, when I was um, maybe a year after, uh, my dad got me like a, an electric Jeep. You know, like them. Like, oh, uh, yeah. The little, they got like one gear. One gear. And yeah, that, yeah. That was it. And I was obsessed, like, completely obsessed with it. The year later, he got me my first go-kart, um, so I turned seven. And I was in primary school uh, at the time, uh, every day after school, just every day. relentless. You know, dad, dad, you've got to time me, you've got to time me. And we had, a, we had an, a farm next to our house and they had a barn and the farm was very kind and he, he lent us like uh, the space to use and it was like a, a figure of eight. So just really simple, just up, up and around, up and around. I would do like five laps. 
and it was like a shootout, you know, like a qualify. It felt like qualifying, and I would always try to beat my time from, you know, my record time, let's say, and it would just keep going like that. Just constantly constant, doing constant, that. Constant, until I was old enough to go to a real track for the first time, and, and that's kind of where it all started. So, yeah. What was it like when you started to race against others? You weren't just on this, yeah. this figure eight, in, in, yeah. you know, at the farm next yeah. to you, right? Yeah. It was... Um, I remember it clearly. I remember it you like do. it was yesterday. Um, so take me into the in, into the in, it, into the cockpit, right? Take so firstly, me in. I had a I had a red car. I loved Michael Schumacher, so I was obsessed. So I had a uh, um, red side pods, red suit. My dad um, put stickers all over my helmet to make me feel like a you know like a professional racing driver. And um, I think I finished third that day. And it was different because at the end, you know, I was eight years old. I was racing against 12, 13 year olds at the time. And it's just one of them things. That I, I wasn't scared of it. I was just excited to, to finally get racing, I think. I, I, yeah, it was one of them things where I was like, okay, now here we go. This is my first race. This is what I've been trading for. Trading. For a year in, in the barn. <laughs> right. and, uh, and we got going and, and it started from there. But, Honestly speaking, when I first started racing against other drivers, I was good, but you know, my dad was my mechanic, he was my driver coach, that's kind of how it is back in the day. Um, it was just a father and son thing, a bit of fun to do. And we struggled. We, we didn't, you know, I didn't go out there and, and win everything on my first year. We definitely didn't know everything, you know, how to set up the car properly and, and all that kind of thing. Um, but by the end of the year, I joined the team um, at, you know, when, I started, when I turned nine years old, and it suddenly clicked. And it then, clicked. Yeah, and everything started to come, and, and suddenly we started to get results, started to get podiums, wins, and then you know won the, the British the British Championship. Oh, you time. had an incredible streak where you didn't finish work, like lower than third, right? Yeah, I think I, I won every race but one. So but one. It was like one of them, you know, just learning and, and growing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of how it started. Tell me about that that experience with your dad. Like that sure. just sounds magical, yeah. right? A lot yeah, yeah, just yeah. from a father's. I mean, we think sort of in America now, Formula One is a global sport, but that's that image of like a father and son throwing the baseball. Yeah, it's and the same it's you thing. and your dad. Very different, but same. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's. Uh, I have to say, it's changing right now, and it's becoming less so, which is a real big shame. But at the very beginning, you know, even it's how Lewis started. It's how I started. Your dad is kind of getting you into the sport for the first time. My dad has a huge passion for cars and, and racing. He never got to drive a go-kart until he was, uh, I think it was maybe 20, and that's where he found his love for it. And I, I, I believe he didn't want me to, to, to not figure it out and take so long to, to understand you know, what, how great of a sport it is. And so he got into, I call it semi-professional racing. Like he, he, him and his brother, they used to in like a dad league, yeah, kind yeah, of a thing. Yeah, <laughs> he would drive like these Renaults, you know, like uh, these small hatchback cars, and they would go racing. Um, but he got in, he got it into me very early, and it was quite exciting. You know, we were going to races. I remember um, he would wake me up at like uh, four, four a.m., and we would travel to through the night or into the, through the morning. I would just, um, just sleep in the car. I arrive you know, Saturday after school, the day after school, um, I arrived at the circuit and uh, the cart was on the, you know, on the roof. Um, you put it down 
uh, put some fuel in and some great photos i bet yeah yeah really cool really cool <laughs> and uh yeah that, that's that's how it was and of course he was extremely passionate with it he still comes to races uh, now and it's quite it's really nice to kind of show him around and see you know how it's all come about and he knows you know he follows everything and he's uh He's still giving me advice. So, Sounds like a symbiotic relationship. I mean, exactly. they're really connected in that way. Headroom is produced by Old Soul, a one-stop marketing agency that understands the power of brand and nuance. Reach out to my guy, Matt, at Old Soul and supercharge your brand and content strategy. That's Old Soul. Shoot Matt a note at aoldsoul.com. That's A-O-L-D-S-O-U-L.com. And now, back to our guest. Was there the classic sort of kitchen table discussion as a family when it was pretty clear that you had a talent? Mm, weirdly, no. I wouldn't say so. What happened was um, it was almost like letting the reins go, I think. So, you know, in the beginning, you know, as I said, we did everything together. And then as time went on, you know, I was a part of a team, joined a team. But of course, my, my dad and my mom took me everywhere. They watched every single race all the way until I was you know, kind of 13, 14. And uh, by that point, I, I joined Red Bull already at, at a very early age, even by 12 years old. I was, I was a Red Bull junior driver. And as that kind of progresses, you know, there's suddenly the world of sports gets, Formula One gets bigger and bigger. And of course, at the time, I was only driving Formula Four, Formula Three, Formula Two, but um, that's when you know the sponsors start coming and the management starts coming and all that kind of thing so it becomes real it becomes real it becomes real and we never really had a chat about it um, I honestly would say it just you know it was very clear what the goal was and we think that would give you confidence yes right? you yeah. don't even have to have the conversation exactly exactly it was there was no real conversation I, I think it was like okay we know I know this is the I next step they know what I want to do. They, and they, they, you know, they sacrificed a lot to get me into that position. I moved to Milton Keynes, which was my whole family did. I have four siblings. Um, to be closer to Red Bull, that's where they're based. And, and you know, it, I do feel very spoiled. And, and I definitely must probably, I'm sure my other siblings would say I was the golden child <laughs> in the whole thing, because of course, you know, they had to sacrifice a lot for me to be where I was. Talk about being an athlete now in 2022 yes. and the pressure from a brand. Mm. We talked at the very beginning about generations. Yeah, you're, sure. In essence, you're not just a driver. You're not just in Formula One. You're sure. also Alex, you're a brand. You, yes. you see all the people that are paying attention to us now even sure. in our conversation. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. Is it an adjustment period? It is. I got into Formula One because I love racing. And I'm a very shy, uh, introverted person by myself. and, and especially so when I was young. So when uh, Formula One came about and everything you know, looked amazing and, and, and it is amazing. At the same time, all the cameras around, all the people around, it is a shock to the system. And it's something which I can be honest, I didn't enjoy to begin with. It, it felt something like a, like a chore and a job. And you almost had to tell yourself, the racing bits for free, you get paid to do that, to do all the, all the other stuff. There's no real, you know, training that went on in terms of, uh, you know, how to talk to people. Or anything a like trial that. by fire. No, it was trial by fire. I kind of felt like, kind of, I got into someone so unexpected so quickly that I was suddenly in it and I was surrounded by it. 
and it was okay when things were going well. That's the easiest part. It's when things go bad. That's when it really starts to become something where you really need that core small network of people that you fully trust. That so how, how do you things. stay grounded? How do you stay authentic to who you are, to the, the kid that was on the figure eight without yeah. this getting too much? I'd say, you know, firstly, people around me, they're brutally honest. You know, they'll, they'll, they keep me grounded, that's for sure. Um, but it's also, um, it's not who I am. I actually don't like to be too flashy. I try to stay under the radar as much as I can. Uh, you know, you want, I, I have blonde hair now. <laughs> but, you know, I, you I were saying mixed results, right? Keeping you honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. My mom hates my haircut. <laughs> Your mom, okay. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where, yeah, it's uh, just being surrounded by the right people, I feel like. And, uh, you know, I, I'm definitely not going to change who I, who I am. So uh, I previously interviewed Jensen Button and he's talked about just what it's like to be in the car yes. and that's the most peaceful yeah. time for a driver. Yeah. Given all the energy that Formula One brings, yeah. is that almost a sigh of relief once you get in? It's, it's the best feeling. It yes, is. So does life slow down? And that may sound does. odd at the speeds you're going. It does exactly. It's, it's even, I can recall my first race, my first weekend ever in Formula One. So much of this was new to me. I, I arrived for my first day at work, my first weekend at work, and I was like, wow, you know, they, they got all this, all these cameras and all everything. It was almost intimidating to some, ex to, to some extent. And you finally, you know, walk over, get ready, get into the car. You're nervous because it's your first time at the circuit, I was in Australia at the time. And once you get your helmet on, once you're in the car, once you're strapped in, it's like, bam, you know what you're doing. You're in, you're in control. This is what I've been born to do. This is what I know what I can do. And all that anxiety and, and pressure just goes away. This kind of like, washes away. Exactly, and you're, you're at one, you're in, you're, in your, um, you're in your area, little bubble. Um, it's peaceful driving these cars, you know? We've got so much noise around us, we can't hear anyone, we can't hear the fans. Yes, we have the engineer in our- in You our, can't hear uh, us rooting you on. Hear, unfortunately <laughs> not, but um, it's true that uh, once you're in that zone, it's, uh, it's a very peaceful zone. And, and of course, it's it's what we've, what I've grown up as, as you know, six years old, seven years old. This is, this is what, this is my piece, basically. Let, let's put a wrap on this. So I, I interviewed Yost, uh, Capito, the right yes. CEO of Williams, yes. and he talked about the father-son relationship yes. with the drivers, yes, obviously sure. you, right? Yes. And you talked about how this all started with your dad. Yes. Yeah. Kind of come full circle for me in what it means, not just being on a team, but being on a team that values that relationship yeah, sure. in, in such what seems like a very deep and passionate way. So it's one of the big things, one of the big appeals about Williams, in my opinion, is it is a true family. You look around and you see the relationships with the mechanics, with the engineers, with everyone um, at the factory as well that you know most people don't tend to see. Um, there's a real tight bond there, and you know a lot of the people here, even the engineers, my engineer, he has family. Um, he's not here this weekend because he's you know with his family, spending good time with his family. Um, it's a great atmosphere. It's, it shows you know there there is a true. Um, yeah, good chemistry, great chemistry within the team. Um, and I feel like because of that, you know, everyone's wanting to, there's a lot of pride within the team. 
and we want to do good because we want everyone to do good. We want everyone. You want the family to, to do well, well right? Exactly, yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, it's, it, it is special. Um, of course, you know, we're not where we want to be right now, but as a family, we feel that, and we know what we need to do. We, we know we need to get. You've better. got a foundation. Feels we like. do, we do, and um, you know, it's exciting and. Uh, I have no doubts that we'll um, all bounce back and, and be stronger next year. Well, I look forward to catching up with you at the next race where maybe the hair will be a little bit different. We'll have yeah, to see. Maybe yeah. mom will intervene. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll, I'll just go rogue and like, you know, like, like a teenage angst. <laughs> Shave your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking like lime green. Or oh, something. lime green. There you go. <laughs> Continued success. Thank you. Alex. Thanks, Thank Alex. You. Thank you. Thanks for taking the plunge into Headroom, where we uncover the why behind the what and who impacting our lives. Headroom is a production of Rainlight and co-produced by our friends at Old Soul. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger, and this is Headroom.